Emerald listeners, welcome to People of Interest, where I discuss an individual in history who strikes my curiosity. I'm Jamie Arpan, and I'm going to talk about the man who stole the process of tea making from China and changed the tea landscape in the 19th century for the British Empire. His name is Robert Fortune, a gardener, a plant hunter, and an undercover swindler. Fortune was born in Kello, Scotland in 1813. Coming from a lower-class family, his formal education consisted of him attending a parish school. Once he finished, he took to learning through hands-on training rather than a formal education. He began an apprenticeship in the local gardens. It is not exactly clear when Fortune moved on, but eventually he was offered a job as an assistant gardener for the Edinburgh Botanical Gardens. When he was around the age of 27, he relocated his family to Chiswick upon undertaking a new job at the Royal Horticultural Society Garden. Fortune gained recognition from his superiors within his field of work. After the First Opium War in 1842, his employer sent him on an expedition to China as the country finally opened certain ports to foreign visitors. His mission entailed collecting various flowers unknown to the Western world. After four months at sea, his first stop was at the port of Chusan. During his time there, he studied a variety of new plant materials, such as azaleas, clematis, and yellow climbing roses. Each new plant he examined, Fortune took a sample of it and stored the flora within a glass wardian case, which acted as a miniature greenhouse. He also learned to nurture dwarf trees, which allowed him to secure the new species to bring back to England. Once spring arrived, Fortune took off for Hong Kong in order to prepare his plants for the voyage back. However, while his flora sailed across the ocean, he decided to explore northern China. Throughout his travels, he regularly rested at Buddhist monasteries. However, he did not particularly enjoy the company of monks at first. It was only through a mutual love of plant life that he connected with his hosts. Fortune especially admired how monks were able to produce plant growth despite the harsh environments where their monasteries were located. Meanwhile, Fortune studied tea plants for the first time during his trip. At this point in time, the British believed green and black tea originated from different species of tea plants. While Fortune was investigating tea, he found himself stumped at only locating what he initially thought were green tea gardens. Through examining the different types of tea leaves throughout the region, he was able to conclude black and green tea must come from different ways of processing. These initial observations led to the British's first attempt at tea plant rearing in northwest India. He also attempted to utilize the same information to guide the U.S. government around producing tea in the South, but it failed due to the amount of labor it demanded. Nevertheless, Fortune's time in China came to an end in October of 1845. Falling ill with a fever, he made his way back to England from Hong Kong. Successfully, he landed back in his home country in May the following year. Surprisingly, all his flora survived the jarring conditions on the ship and appeared in excellent health. Nearly all of them were successfully cultivated in Chiswick's greenhouses and gardens. Fortune would not stick in Chiswick for long. In 1848, Fortune returned to China once again, this time through the East Indian Company. Their ultimate goal was to control the tea trade. While the East India Company owned land in India ready for growing tea plants, they were lost when it came to the process of cultivating tea leaves. In order to figure out the process, Fortune needed to go undercover in China to steal the secrets surrounding tea. With previous experience and knowledge of the country and its customs, he was the perfect man for the job. He disguised himself as a local through shaving his head and wearing a wig and local clothing. 
if fortune, as well as the guides aiding him, were discovered by Chinese authorities, it would result in their execution for attempting to steal state secrets. Their journey began in Shanghai, but they hastily made their way south to observe tea plantations in Zhejiang and Anhui. Fortune's guides acted as servants, convincing tea factory owners that he was just a wealthy official interested in the manufacturing of tea. Luckily for the group, they succeeded in their ruse. Throughout the tours, Fortune witnessed the various techniques involved in creating tea. It turns out the process to create black and green tea, which eluded him earlier in his studies, came from utilizing oxidation to bring out different flavors of the tea leaf. At the time, he used the word fermentation when referring to the technique of curing black tea leaves. However, the leaves do not undergo the chemical reaction, which results in fermentation. In fact, if one ferments tea leaves, fungus will grow that can produce substances that cause cancer. During these tea tours, Fortune was also able to find what would eventually become the downfall of the Chinese tea trade. He noticed factory workers' fingers were tinged blue within the final steps of curating tea. Confused, he investigated the matter. Fortune noticed the superintendent working over a porcelain mortar. Within the bowl, there appeared to be a blue powder. Turns out they were utilizing Prussian blue, a pigment used in paints. However, it contains cyanide. The superintendent would mix low doses of Prussian blue with gypsum, a yellow powder. Gypsum is also highly toxic and can potentially poison the nervous system. Furthermore, if consumed over a certain period of time, it can cause miscarriages in pregnant people. Chinese tea factories did not intend to poison their foreign customers. Rather, it came as a direct result of ignorant purchasing of green tea by foreigners. While buying tea, Chinese merchants noticed British people preferred greener leaves that could appear uniform and pleasing to the eye. These leaves would also fetch a higher price, so the tea factory owners decided to dye the leaves with a mixture of Prussian blue and gypsum. To them, the British only valued appearance over taste. Fortune collected the dyes and secretly stashed them away in his clothing. Long after his expedition ended, his little bag of stowaway dyes would be displayed in London's Great Exhibition of 1851. Through this exhibit, the East India Company was able to provide a foundational argument for why the British public should no longer drink Chinese tea. Ultimately, Fortune's actions and willingness to commit corporate espionage led to China's economic downfall in the global tea marketplace. After the East India Company began operations within India, they surpassed China as the world's largest tea grower. It took almost a century for China to recover their prominence as tea producers. Fortune's voyages for plants did not stop after his venture into the interior of China. He returned to the Far East twice to search for more plants in the Philippines, China, and Japan. Due to the amount of money he earned from his travels, Fortune was able to successfully retire to a farm in his home country of Scotland. Nevertheless, he eventually realized he missed London life and moved back where in time he passed away on the 13th of April in 1880, at the age of 66. The last article he ever published about flora listed about 150 plants he effectively brought back to England from East and Southeast Asia. While he was a remarkable botanist, his career consisted of him pilfering state secrets for the benefit of British imperialism. Fortune himself didn't view it as stealing, but it does bring into question how the tea market would look like today without his interference. Thank you for tuning in to People of Interest. This is Jamie Arpan, signing off.